Hello again, friends, and welcome back to another edition of the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast. I am the great Brian Last, and boy, is it my pleasure to be with you this week for a fantastic episode of Mid-South Wrestling, a history-making episode of Mid-South Wrestling, and to join me on this journey is your friend and mine from Booking the Territory, Mike Mills. Mike, I've said a mouthful there to start the show, but what do you think? Did I say it right? Is this a historical episode of Mid-South Wrestling? Look, sometimes we kind of like we'll do a little bit of BSing at the very beginning of a show and kind of like, you know, try to pump the show up and whatnot. You've done all you can do related to that. This episode just needs to be got to and gotten to quickly because it is loaded. There's a lot that goes down and we need to discuss it. This is the June 26, 1982 episode of Mid-South Wrestling, which was taped a few days earlier on June 23rd, 1982 in the Irish McNeil Boys Club in Shreveport, Louisiana. Boyd Pierce and the cowboy Bill Watts, I guess due to all those letters Boyd has been receiving, is back in the commentating seat. And we're going to actually start right now with a little bit of audio because we have news right to start the show. We'll play this and then we'll stop it and talk about it on the other side. I'm your host, Boyd Pierce. We have a lot of exciting action coming up for you, along with interesting interviews. You'll see Steve Dr. Death Williams in action. Also, the international tag team champions, Big John Studd and the Super Destroyer will be here. Also, the North American Heavyweight Championship will be on the line. We have a new North American Heavyweight title holder to bring you the details and make the announcement. Our guest commentator, the Oklahoma Stampeder Cowboy Bill Watts. Well, Boyd, thank you. You're really generous because I know this an announcement is going to stun everybody. Through a very unusual set of circumstances, June the 21st in downtown New Orleans, the Junkyard Dog defeated Bob Roop and became the North American champion. Ted DiBiase was scheduled to wrestle Bob Roop that night in an altercation in the dog's match that DiBiase went in and probably kept the dog from being seriously injured. He was hurt. Grizzly Smith had promised him a match. He put the dog back in there. It the Junkyard Dog won the match. Bob Roop is protesting, but Mid-South has said that the Junkyard Dog is the North American champion. That brings us to an unusual situation because, first of all, the dog as the Louisiana champion must vacate that title, and a tournament will be held for it because the dog, due to the rigorous scheduling, cannot defend the North American, the Louisiana, and the Mid-South tag. So the dog has already vacated the Louisiana title. They will hold the tournament, the one-night tournament in Baton Rouge on July the 6th. But the second thing is that Ted DiBiase was promised a no-disqualification, one-fall, no-disqualification match against the North American champion today here on television. And Ted DiBiase said if he got the match and didn't win it, he would leave Mid-South. Here's a young man who was the best man. The Junkyard Dog was his best man in his wedding. They've been inseparable companions. And due to the fortunes of war, so to speak, they have to wrestle today for the most prestigious title in the United States. But first, let's talk to the dog about his feeling about having to vacate the Louisiana title. Mike, they set up so much stuff over the previous weeks, little teases here and there, and here it comes to fruition. We don't see the match from New Orleans where Bob Roop loses the North American title to JYD, but think about every little thing that has been mentioned the last several weeks, whether it was you can't hold the North American title and the Louisiana State Championship whether it was Ted DiBiase running out there and saving the dog several times at his own peril. There's so much that's been set up. And of course, the big one, DiBiase demanding a match against Bob Roop, the North American champion, no disqualification, finally getting his rematch here on the show. But now that Bob Roop isn't the champion, he'll have to go against his best friend, the junkyard dog. This is insane how like so much stuff that's actually happened over the last few weeks just crammed into what Watts talks about for the first two minutes of this episode. What I mean by that is I don't think you have an opening since we started doing this that has been more impactful than these first two minutes with everything Watts mentioned. He announces June 21st, you know, New Orleans JYD became the champion, North American champion, that is. Uh, DiBiase was injured trying to help JYD earlier in the night. Thus, because of that, Grizzly Smith had already promised a title match. Therefore, JYD is given the match against Roop. JYD wins. But like you said, JYD has to vacate the, L- the Louisiana title because a couple of weeks ago, this was specifically addressed. Even JYD was like, heck, you know, if I ever won the North American title, it would hurt my feelings to give up the Louisiana title. But I got to represent the whole promotion around the world with the North American title. So therefore, I would just have to do what I have to do. 
Watts then announces this whole title for the you know tournament for the Louisiana title in Baton Rouge. I mean, just and then another point you said, DiBiase will now wrestle JYD for the North American title today. I, can anything be more wrapped up or be more impactful to have more crammed into the first two minutes of an episode than what we just heard right there on the first two minutes of Mid-South Television? I, I can't think of one but uh, since we started doing this, but I'll let you tell me. No, and you know what? It would be so easy with all of that for it to be explained in a confusing manner. It would be so easy for the fans and for you and me to not really truly understand what's going on. We've seen so many things in wrestling, you know, especially in the last 20 years, where you can't explain one thing, you can't explain the storylines, you don't know where things are going. There's so much happening here, so many little details happening here, yet it all makes sense, and I understand everything that's going on, and I guarantee you those fans in Louisiana and Mississippi and Oklahoma and Arkansas knew exactly what was going on, and they were invested in this. Yeah, and he did it all within two minutes, the opening two minutes of the episode. Think about that. From there, we're going to go now to several clips. We're going to play them all one after another, and then we'll talk about on the other side. But there's a lot of people involved in this. The Junkyard Dog, Ted DiBiase, Bob Roop. So let's now hear several interviews from these participants in this angle, and then we'll talk about it. There's a lot going on. There's very few people throughout the world have to stand up under the pressure as I, the Junkyard Dog, is standing under today. Some because I was very fortunate in New Orleans to win the North American heavyweight belt from Bob Root. Now, following the rules through the Mid-South area, any man on any given day that maintains the Louisiana heavyweight belt and also the North American heavyweight belt have to forfeit the Louisiana belt. And on July the 6th in Baton Rouge, they will have a tournament for this Louisiana belt. Now, back to the North America. Now, I will defend this North America belt the best of my abilities throughout the world just like I did with this Louisiana belt, Louisiana heavyweight belt. And I will praise the North American belt just as much, and I will fight just as hard for this North America belt that I did with my Louisiana belt. Well, Boyd, I don't think DiBiase ever in his wildest dream imagined he would be facing the situation that faces him today, that he would be wrestling his best friend, the Junkyard Dog, for the North American title, one fall, no disqualification. And also the added stipulation that he executed himself, that if he doesn't win that title, He'll leave Mid-South. I asked Ted DiBiase about it. Let's listen to his answer. Well, Bill, when Mid-South Wrestling promised me a North American title shot, no disqualification, one fall to win, never in my wildest dreams did I imagine that I would have to face the junkyard dog. And in my professional career, I've always maintained that I could beat any man walking in professional wrestling. But I have to admit, very honestly, that right now I'm left with some doubt in my mind as to whether I can beat the junkyard dog. But the junkyard dog doesn't pay my bills and he doesn't put a roof over my family's head. And if I don't win this match, I have to leave Mid-South. That's part of the agreement that I've made. And ever since I've been in professional wrestling, I've always been taught that when you step in that ring, friendship ends and business starts up. So junkyard dog, I either have to go or I have to beat you. So tonight I'm going to do my dead level best to do just that, to beat you and regain the North American heavyweight title. And asking the junkyard dog his opinion about defending the title against Ted DiBiase, you could tell the dog was reticent and didn't really want to talk about it and certainly doesn't relish having his first title defense against a man that's been so close to him. Let's listen as the dog answers the question about what he thinks about defending this title against DiBiase. Right now, the junkyard dog, very few people ever heard me at a low profile, but now I'm standing at a very delicate situation. Here's a man that if I sign a paper through the Mid-South area, if he doesn't regain the North America heavyweight title, he will have to leave the Mid-South area. And I never thought on any given day that I have to face Ted DiBiase. Now I'm standing on a time bomb. But Ted DiBiase, just like he said, I listen at his promos. I don't feed his family. I have a family of my own to feed. And there's so many things that it got me all confused because I was, this be I was Ted DiBiase, best man in his wedding. It means a whole lot to me. But I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to give Ted DiBiase a chance at this North America belt. And one thing I feel for sure, I don't have to worry about my back because Ted DiBiase is a fair man. Well, Boyd, one man who's never reticent and never at a loss for words, Bob Roop, the former North American champion, 
who possibly justifiably was, quote, ripped off, close quotes, but still the man winning the title was certainly deserving. Bob Root made some comments about the DiBiase Junkyard Dog Match and also issued a, issued a challenge. Let's listen to that now. You hear a lot of complaints, but I have a legitimate claim for a ripoff. I signed for a title match with Ted DiBiase. He couldn't make it. He couldn't face up to the match. Instead, Junkyard Dog came into the ring. I didn't even have a contract signed with him. Attacked me. Yes, he beat me and he won the belt. I am no longer the champion. Well, I'm issuing a challenge right now to the junkyard dog. I want a, t a match with him next week. And what I'm saying is I can sit here and say rest fairly assured that the junkyard dog will be the North American champion next week because Ted DiBiase couldn't beat me for the title and there is no way that he can beat the junkyard dog. So next week... I'm going after the junkyard dog for the North American title, and it'll be back where it belongs. Well, Bill, watch later on in today's program. We will have the North American Heavyweight Championship on the line. Junkyard dog defending against Ted DiBiase with no disqualification. And my guest commentator during that title match will be the former North American Heavyweight Champion, Bob Roop. Right now, we'll be back with live action after this important message from Mid-South Wrestling Television Network. Wow, there's so much going on. It's all pretty intense. You know, that Roop interview at the end was great, saying basically, DiBiase ain't going to be able to beat the dog. So next week, I got him, and I'm going to get my title back. DiBiase saying how he's conflicted. The junkyard dog's the best man at his wedding. He's conflicting, having to get in there and go against the dog, but he said he's going to leave if he doesn't win the title, so he has to do that. The junkyard dog, the most popular wrestler in the history of Mid-South Wrestling, is now the champion. He just won the title between last week's show and this week's show, and he's saying, I'm going to go in there, and I have every intention on keeping this belt because I have to give up my other belt, my Louisiana State title. This is the first 10 minutes of this show, the first eight minutes of this show. There's so much happening, and I personally, as a fan, couldn't wait to get into the rest of the show. This thing, and it has so many ways that it can go. You just laid it all out where Dog is at now, had to give up the Louisiana title, but he's a North American champion. He's got to face DiBiase. DiBiase still needs to win, or he's sent back, and plus Roop now wants his rematch. But there's so many ways that this thing can go, not only you know, from what we just heard, but, you know, in the future, I mean, because Roop's still a, Roop is still around trying to figure things out, and he wants his belt back. I I mean, this just this is just talk about a packed first what ten minutes or so of an episode. I don't know if it can get any more packed or impactful than what we heard here. This is this phenomenal storytelling. And you have to think a lot of the fans at home, and I think we'll talk a little bit more about this when the actual match takes place, they're conflicted. They don't know what to think or what to feel about the idea that the dog and DiBiase are gonna go in there against each other. And again, like I said, we'll talk more about that, but a strong, strong opening, a fantastic opening to this show, setting up so many things, leaving so many questions unanswered, and we'll see what happens there. You know, you're talking about the fans at home. Again, I am almost seven at this point. I remember thinking, dog one, dog one, dog one. I mean, that was like the thing, you know, he was JYD, he was my hero um, in, a, in, a, in many ways, along with, you know, whatever football players from the Saints I loved back then, but just... The JYD won the title, but you're right. You're conflicted as a kid because you're like, buddy, now he's got to wrestle Ted DiBiase. And if DiBiase loses, he's gone. What? Oh, I'm confused. Like, again, I was a young kid, but that's like the mindset you're thinking. You don't know what to think. And then the other part is that third part of it with Roop. You're like, well, this guy just go the hell away. Um, because now you're so you're conflicted. You just it's a very weird feeling. You're happy JYD won. You get that news at the very top of this episode. Watch within the first two minutes. But then you're just bamboozled and hit with all these other things that could happen because now JYD is now gonna be fighting DiBiase for his career at what we deemed back then is his career in Mid-South, because now damn DiBiase may have to leave. Just a oh my god, just just confusion, elation, all in one. 
From there, Mike, we go to our opening match. Steve Dr. Death Williams against Jeff Sword. A lot of ICW fans may remember Jeff Sword from the Devil's Duo with manager Izzy Slapowitz, another ICW veteran like Roop and Bob Orton, who is in Mid-South Wrestling. Of course, Bob Orton Jr. is gone by this point. Uh, Steve Williams wins with the Oklahoma Stampede. Rick Ferreira as the referee. couple notes here. Doc, once again, like we said last week, Mike, very, very tentative. In fact, it almost appears like he's trying to work the exact same match with the exact same moves in the exact same order that he did last week. Yeah, that's an astute observation. There actually may be something more to that than than just us speculating. Maybe that was what he had, quote-unquote, practiced and was comfortable. I don't know if use the term practice because I know they didn't choreograph matches back then, but that may have been what he you know, did a lot in you know his training, and he just was familiar with going through that sequence, thus – he kind of tried to repeat it. Uh, I do I do think you may be on to something there. Hey, don't forget, and Hank, uh, cowboy hat guy, he moved during the match. He vacated his seat, and like we talked about last week, he moves to the left side of the audience if we were looking towards the big bleachers. Um, Hank said, look, guy, you're trying to steal my gimmick. Uh, this is my house, so you're going to respect me, and I'm going to go get me another seat, and that way I can sit over here with my cowboy hat and smoke my cigarette. You know, he doesn't look very happy to have moved, but – Quite frankly, it's the same look on his face every single week when we watch Mid-South Wrestling. So we don't know what he really felt, but uh, Hank is there on the, I guess we would say the left side of the ring, the uh, the side camera angle. Whenever they show that, Hank is now there. One other note here, Watts during the match tries really hard to put over Dr. Death. And of course, OU Wrestling, talking about the wrestling team, talking about his son Micah, Michael Watts, training with David and Mark Schultz. So that's some interesting stuff. And of course, the Schultz family, pretty legendary. There was that movie several years back about DuPont and Schultz. And it's really interesting to hear Watts talk about that. But he loves talking about OU wrestling or OU football. Anything happening in Oklahoma involving sports, Bill Watts wants to talk about on Mid-South Wrestling. And like I said, Steve Dr. Death Williams wins with the Oklahoma Stampede. And from there, we get an interesting match. A tag team mentioned several weeks back on the show the international tag team champions from Georgia, Big John Studd and the Super Destroyer against Ernie Kirkland and David Price. And Mike, did you notice that the fans actually give a really nice pop to the heel international tag team champions, almost like they see them as a big attraction because they're coming off the Georgia satellite? Yes, that was also, I, I had that in mind. And then, Watts' commentary at the beginning of it too was something I, I did want to discuss uh, for for at least both of us. I, I kind of I had something to say about it. Let me put it like that. Watts starts talking about he's he puts over Mid South by comparison to Georgia, and you and I have kind of talked about Watts maybe I don't want to say burying but talk speaking down upon Georgia. So here here's why I think Watts was working when he would seem to talk down to what was going on in Georgia. He's got these guys in his territory. He's got Super Destroyer. He's got John Studd right here. You, you said, and you had mentioned, um, cor- and correct me if I'm wrong, he still owned 10% of the Georgia office at this time. Was that about? Was that correct? I believe so. I don't remember exactly when he sold it to Ole in 1982, but I think he still may have had the 10% at this time. So he's saying his, prom- his promotion is just as good, and if not better, than that stuff on cable from Georgia. I think, I think he's working. I don't think he's in, I think he's intention, not intentionally burying them, but he's just working as he, you know, he knows these guys are on the cable system. Cable's relatively new around this time. So he's trying to make his group, Mid-South Wrestling, up to par with what all these people are seeing on the cable network. So I, I think he's just working. I don't think he's, he's intentionally trying to bury the talent that, leaves Mid-South and goes there like Paul Orndorff. I think he's just working. And the reason I say that is I think he confirms it by the fact that he brings these, he brings Stud and Super Destroyer in and they get a win on his television. I mean, if he wanted to bury him, he wouldn't use him on his TV. So I don't know. Your thoughts on, on what I just said? I think it's just a protective measure because even if he was in really good with the Georgia office, and again, he had a good relationship with Ole. He's one of the people that did. That's why he sold him the stock. It still affects him when his fans are saying, hey, when's Tommy Rich coming to town? Or, hey, when's this guy coming to town? When they're starting to think that the wrestlers on cable are a different level of star than the ones they see locally, that's when you have a problem. And again, Stud and the Destroyer, who are heels, 
get a pretty nice hand here. And I have to think that's because people have been seeing them on cable. Now, I, yeah, now that part I agree with. I just, I just think he's, I think he's, I think he's working. I think he's just trying to make it sound like there may be some bad blood there. Not that he, I mean, I mean, look, it's wrestling. You never know what the intent is, is my point, but it just feels like he's working. Um, that there's not really bad blood, but at the same time, he's kind of make it seem like it is because, hey, it's all the work anyway. Um, anyway, that's just my thoughts. I've gotten a lot of like feedback on it on Twitter. So that's kind of why I wanted to mention that. And anybody who tweets me at Mike504Saints, I really appreciate it related to the show and just your thoughts. Um, I don't, I can't respond to every single one of them, but I, I do see them all and I appreciate it. So I kind of wanted to mention that right there related to Georgia and whatnot because of it's gotten a lot of traction on Twitter and, you know, people trying to, or people kind of, you know, sharing what their thoughts are. So I appreciate all the thoughts and comments related to uh, what Watts may be referring to here over the last few weeks and months. I'll tell you what, Mike, we actually have a little bit of that audio queued up. So why don't we play that so we could uh, play a little bit about what you've just been talking about. Well, certainly the Super Destroyer is no stranger to Mid-South. Big John Studd is a man that's got an international reputation. They're coming down here. They say they're going to relieve the junkyard dog and Mr. Olympia of the Mid-South tag titles. They're coming from... Atlanta, Georgia, and they really think they're coming down to show everybody how it's done in the big city. But i got to remind you, if you watch wrestling out of Atlanta, you're going to see that they come through the threshing machine down here at Mid-South first. After they get chewed up and spit out, they go up and make a name for themselves on Atlanta TV. So I think they are put their priorities a little bit backwards because the dog and Mr. Olympia sent Ifan Seek of the Samoan Warriors running, Bob Roop and Ted DiBiase sent Paul Orndorff running, now they're superstars up in Atlanta. So when you come down here to Mid-South, you might not get quite the international publicity, but this is the mark of who are the real studs in professional wrestling is the men that maintain main event status right here. And John Studd and Super Destroyer, as powerful as they are, are going to find out there's some rough ones around. Andre the Giant coming back. Big Ernie Ladd, Ted DiBiase, Junkyard Dog, Mr. Olympia. Buck Robley's back today. So I'll guarantee you, you can find just about any mix you want. Now, John Studd is just annihilating this man. He's showing that tremendous strength and power that he's so well known for. And like I say, the Super Destroyer, not only with the power, but his superplex. It's one, one devastating move. And this young man, David Price, is finding out a rough welcome to professional wrestling. And, of course, the Super Destroyer does do his superplex during this match, but that isn't the finish. John Studd gets David Price in a backbreaker for the victory. And from there, we move on to the main event. In the middle of the show, of course, we do have standby matches afterwards. The Junkyard Dog, the new North American champion, versus his best friend, Ted DiBiase. No disqualifications with Alfred Neely as the referee. They have a handshake. And at several points during the match, they touch hands to show that they're cool with each other. And we're going to play a little bit of audio, but one thing I do have to note here, Mike, Ted DiBiase, for the first time since we've seen him on Mid-South, is wearing black trunks. That's a little bit of an ominous sign there, that all of a sudden, DiBiase's wearing black. Bob Roop is on commentary for this match, and he's the perfect person to talk about this match. He had been feuding with DiBiase. He just lost the title to the dog. So we're going to hear a little bit of his commentary. And one other thing we mentioned that the fans are conflicted. You probably will never hear a more silent crowd than you will hear. They're sitting there. They're intently watching. They don't know who to cheer for. They don't know how to react. Let's listen to a little bit of the audio from the early portion of this match. Here's Bob Roop talking a little bit about this match. Our guest commentator for this match is the man, former... North American heavyweight champion who lost that title to the junkyard dog in New Orleans on June the 21st, Bob Root. Well, first of all, Boyd, I assure you I will not interfere in this match for two reasons. One, it's a low-class thing to do. Secondly, it cost $2,500. Now, Dusty Rhodes and Ted DiBiase had the low class to interfere in a match. I'm not going to do it. And also, look at the strength of the junkyard dog there. Also, it might give Ted DiBiase some reason to weasel out of the deal that he made. He is going to have to leave Mid-South area because there is no way that he can beat the junkyard dog. Let's face it. And it's really ironic. You know, I feel bad about being an ex-champion 
but I still have the satisfaction of watching Ted DiBiase leave this area. Well, nice move on his part. Good move on DiBiase's part. Go behind. What you're trying to say to me and the fans that followed us so faithfully through the year, they understand the simple thing. You're trying to explain that Ted DiBiase has boxed himself in either way, right? Well, he thought it was going to be me. He was going to be wrestling for the North American title. He never dreamed it would be his best friend, the man that was the best man at his wedding, the junkyard dog, that he was going to have to beat or leave Mid-South. Now, even if he hated the junkyard dog, he still couldn't beat him. And this is his best friend. These guys go back a long way together. Junkyard Dog stood up for Ted DiBiase when he got hurt in Atlanta. He went in, took over his matches. He helped him financially when Ted DiBiase was unable to make a living. When Junkyard Dog got blinded, Ted DiBiase acted in effect as a CNI dog for him, led him around, made sure nobody bothered with him. Oh, they're good friends. Ride down the road together. Now they got to wrestle each other. And big, big stakes. Not just titles. Not just titles at stake here, but careers. Mike Roop does a great job there, even though he's the heel on commentary, of laying out why this relationship between the dog and DiBiase is so important. Why it is so weird to see them in the ring. And again, I said it before, I'd like to get your thoughts. The fans are silent. The fans are not reacting to this match. You watch it and you see that they're all intently watching but they're not cheering, they're not popping, they're not rooting for one or the other. Yeah, I mean, you got to put yourself in this time frame, too. It's June of 1982. Uh, Babyface versus babyface, at least to me by this point, was like one of those things that you just didn't see. I mean, unless you kind of had like an enhancement talent in there who was, you know, kind of like a tweener or something, and then you had, you know, a face versus, versus him, maybe. But to have two huge... And let's let I mean let's be real here. This is DiBiase versus JYD. These are two big mega territory stars. These are your two top baby faces, and you got them against each other. The fans love them both. They don't know what to think. They I mean they're confused, like because you just don't know who you want to win. You 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 well you don't want DiBiase to lose because if you do, he sent packing. But then. If he wins, your hero that just won the North American title is going to lose the belt right away. They're confused. So isn't there confusion? They are silent. They are very silent, sitting there. They're kind of on the edge of their seat, but they're on the edge of their seat in a way that they don't really know how to react or what to say or what to do. It's a good back and forth wrestling match with, for the most part, the junkyard dog having the advantage. DiBiase, of course, wearing the glove, the handball glove, as he called it last week, wrapped in tape. He has it on during this match, and it's going to play into what's about to happen. Let's listen to the closing moments of this match. Going for the figure four. Going for the leg lock. Junkyard dog over the top rope. But, hey, no disqualification in this match. DiBiase's hurt. Over on the cement floor. Excuse me, but do you believe the way Junkyard Dog came out of that power slam? That's what doing that 550-pound bench press, that's what working with those weights does for you. Gives you the strength to get a man off you. Now look him. He's showing his friendship right here. He's showing the fact that he's got a heart. I don't agree with it. I think he ought to finish him. But he's showing he's got some heart here. He's helping a man. He's helping his friend back in the ring. What's Ted DiBiase doing? What's Wait a minute. What's he doing? He went in his tights and put something in that glove. Wait a minute. One, two, three. One, two, three. Alfred Neely raises he put a hand. something in that glove. Of Ted DiBiase. I he, knew it. He is the new North American heavyweight champion. I knew it. He planned. I knew it. I told, I told the people weeks ago. That glove. He planned that for me all along. That glove was planned for me. Can you imagine his best friend? He put something in that glove. Nobody can knock the junkyard dog out with just one punch. Look at him. He's still out. Ted DiBiase had that plan for me. Boy, he's got some honor, doesn't he? He's got some decency, doesn't he? His ambition is a lot stronger than his sense of honor. He just stabbed his best friend in the back. 
Bob Ted DiBiase is the new North American Heavyweight Champion. That means we have more action. There'll be standby matches after this word from Mid-South Red. Big moment there, Mike. DiBiase loads the glove and hits his best friend, knocking the dog out. The dog does one of his timber falls. I think we said we were going to keep track of this way back, like in the early weeks of this show. This is the second known timber fall since we started doing the podcast. So this is number two. But the dog sells it. The dog is still on the mat. The referees come out there. The fans look concerned. The fans don't know how to react when DiBiase loads the glove and hits him because it's such a sudden heel turn. They don't know what to do. Yeah, it's it's like a gasp from them. They're they're just like you see a couple of kids, a couple of kids will like jump up and boo. There's a couple of claps. But for the most part, like if you look at 80 percent, 90 percent of the audience, they're just like, oh, what, what did I see? And then you, you even see a couple of fans. They're like, hey, you hit him with something, hit him with something. It's a very again, they, they, they don't know what to think and they just aren't sure how to react. But. You do notice a few who are saying he loaded the glove, he loaded the glove. So it's kind of like they're starting a little bit of a turn and they want the fans to notice that. And that's why they 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 play it that way. Dog, let me go back to what you said. He is laid out. He's not moving. He is selling like he was shot with a 12 gauge. He's just laying there. And then you got to love Roop. Because Roop turns it to, he he was preparing that glove and that shot for me, and it got JYD. So now you're like, well, damn, is Roop telling the truth? I, th- this is a triangle of what the heck are we going to do and where are we going now? Roop is a heel on commentary, but what he calls and what he says there isn't a heel call. He's saying what he's actually seeing. He's pointing out what's actually happening. No one expects DiBiase to turn, and he does incredible moment here i mean it just i mean you know you got to put yourself back in this time frame did you expect to see what happened did you expect to see dibiase to cross the man that you know was the best man in his wedding with a loaded glove it's just what did i just watch that didn't happen and when you look back now you kind of could see the seeds being laid but again we expected dibiase versus roop this week they were laying out different things with DiBiase saving the dog, running in there, covering his body so that like the one-man gang or whoever couldn't attack him. They've been laying these things out. They've been setting things up. But until the title change and until the opening of this show, we would not have expected this. We expected DiBiase you know, and Root. You know, you know what it really boils down to? Um, it's, and it's hum- this, is, this is actually like kind of like a microcosm of just humans in general. It all boils down to self-preservation. Like when you are stuck in a corner, um, someone might be your brother, your best friend, somebody you would go to battle with. But if you are literally dying of hunger, and I know this is not the same as hunger, but my point is if you are dying of hunger, you're going to self-preserve for yourself before you will the next person. And it's kind of like that's what happened here. DiBiase, he loves a dog, but he's like, dude, the North American title is everything. And because of that, I'm going to pull out all the stops. And that's what he does. Ted DiBiase, the new North American champion. And from there, we're going to play a little bit of audio right here, Mike, of Bill Watts coming out of that segment, wrapping things up from what he just saw. Boy, I think I, like you, like everybody at home, is a little bit in shock right now. It's taking all this time for him to finally get the junkyard dog out of the ring. They had to get some ice out of the concession area. And, you know, I don't really, Bob Roop was talking about DiBiase and something with that glove. I was watching him in the dressing room, and I couldn't tell that much. But I can say this, that I've seen the dog hit with a lot of things. I have never seen his running lights put out like that because he definitely is not one of those people with a glass jaw. He can take a beating, and they just now got him out of the ring. We'll try to investigate this further, but uh, Ted DiBiase is the North American champion. Another institution, a man that is the eighth one of the world, seven foot four, 485-pound Andre the Giant, was hurt, and only one man has ever hurt him and hospitalized him. That was Killer Khan under the guidance of Fred Blassie. That happened last year, and we'll talk with Vince McMahon Jr. from Madison Square Garden as he was talking about on, to Andre after he got his cast off. Let's join that. Well, Mike, from here, we're not going to play this audio, but we get several clips from the World Wrestling Federation. Vince McMahon interviewing Andre, both of them sitting down. And then, of course, the clip of Blassie and Killer Khan attacking Andre at the television taping. And then more of Vince and Andre 
Uh, you can see this on the network. It is from WWF TV, but they're just setting up Andre coming into Mid South to go against Killer Khan. Yeah, and it's um, it's it's actually it's a good clip to watch if you've if you've never seen it. Interesting how it's tied into Mid South. Some of the things don't really connect as far as like the Freddie Blassie stuff. And you know, I actually uh, was asking Brian about this uh, before we started recording because like I remember seeing this, but like I've never seen this clip from a WWF like television era. Like the whole like whatever show that aired on Brian, I don't think I've ever seen it in its entirety. Is is what I'm trying to say. So it was an interesting clip. I, I'd recommend go back and watching it. Um, but it definitely. I mean, compared to what we just saw with DiBiase and JYD, while this was interesting and you got to see Andre, it's like, oh, well, I'm still like almost in shock over what I just saw with DiBiase. So that was kind of my feelings as I as I watched this. Still a good clip to watch related to, you know, KillerCon because KillerCon is in the next match. So they kind of wanted to transition and, and have Andre kind of say a few things. And, and it, it does kind of set that up a little bit. Right. And it doesn't really set up anything really beyond that, other than Andre coming into territory and working some matches with KillerCon. That's it. So it's really not something we need to play here on this program. But from there, like you mentioned, the next match, Killer Khan versus Joe Stark. Of course, Killer Khan with General Skandar Akbar. And we have a little bit of audio to play here. By the way, Killer Khan wins with his knee drop off the second rope. But here's Bill Watts talking a little bit about the return of Buck Robley, as well as the upcoming Louisiana State title tournament. Great card. This is the first standby match. We have another top star back, Buck Robley. It's returned. A man who, when he found out the assassin was here, Buck Robley was my tag partner when we had a lot of run-ins with the assassin, Rock Hunter, and the French Angel. And when Buck Robley found out the assassin was back on the scene, he put his bid in. And, of course, also entered that one-night tournament in Baton Rouge on the 6th for the Louisiana title. Junkyard dog, when you really have time to start adding it up, this man is at a tremendous loss vacated the title due to the rules situation a tournament set that he's not even entered in and now he's lost the north american championship so when the junkyard dog gets it together really figures it out i hate to say it but he it looks like he is a victim a true victim and maybe bob roop's right maybe DiBiase had planned that all along for bob roop and decided that against the dog he would have to take desperate majors look at khan he is awesome Awesome. That's off the second rope. It's legal. He is wiped out. Joe Stark. And like we said, that was the finish. Killer Khan defeating Joe Stark. But Watts setting up things. Buck Robley's back. The Louisiana State title tournament. But again, the dog has been screwed. Because he just won the North American title within the last week. Immediately had to vacate the Louisiana State championship. They've already set up a tournament. And now he has neither belt. Okay, and this is where, you know, as a Smoky Mountain Wrestling fan, I'm like, you know, I'm going back in history and I'm going, we need to get a lawyer. We need to get an injunction because, you know, Jimmy was good for the lawyers and injunctions and and uh, getting Mama Cornette to foot the bill. But um, anyway, we need to get a lawyer on this because this is BS. The Louisiana title tournament is already set. So watch mentions how JYD has been hit with a double whammy and hit with hit with it a, a victim of circumstances. JYD is now out of the Louisiana title tournament because he had the give up the whole purpose of him giving up the title was because he couldn't defend it because he was the North American champion but now he's not in that tournament because he's already you know he had already he can't be in it because he's the one who vacated it and but now he's lost the North American title so now he's got neither title I need an attorney Brian we got to get somebody on this case um in all seriousness though this is just sympathy and building up some sympathy and empathy for JYD who literally he not only got screwed by his best friend but he's screwed because he can't even be in the Louisiana title tournament now. It's remarkable how well they set this up and laid everything out. It, it, this is just textbook how to do wrestling correctly. They did this perfectly. This is brilliant wrestling television. And let me point out, this isn't even like my top two moments from Mid-South Wrestling. Like ever. Like, I, I mean, I've mentioned it a few times on, on the shows. This, is, this was done perfect. And it's not even a top it's not even a top moment for me because they they do a couple of other things that are just as good, you know, or I'm sorry, better than this. But you're right. This was done very, very well. The next match we get, Mike, has been talked about a couple times already on the show. It's the return of Colonel Buck Robley against Billy, the Star Child star. Alfred Neely, the referee. I'll give you the finish right now. Buck Robley wins with a sleeper hold. But we have some audio we want to play here. First, 
Let's play the introduction. This is a very interesting introduction by our pal Reeser Bowden here. This event is for one fall or remaining television time. In the red corner at 235 pounds from Charlotte, North Carolina, Billy the Star Child Star. And in the blue corner at 242 pounds from Amarillo, Texas, Buckley Christopher George Robley III. I I posted this on Twitter when I was taking notes for this episode, and I, I posted like the quick little five-second clip, and I tagged Jimmy in it, Cornette, because I was hoping he would see it and just kind of get his like natural reaction just to see him laugh or something. Uh, he must not have seen it, but uh, yeah, Buckley, Christopher, George, Robley, the third. Reeser Bowden does it again. He gives, a, gives us a moment, literally a moment, of giving us this man's full name on the show. Well, let's get a little more audio here, Mike. Here's Cowboy Bill Watts during this match with a few words about Buck Robley, as well as some more thoughts on everything with Ted DiBiase. Uh, Colonel Buck Robley was the dog's partner in one of the most fabulous eras of Mid-South against the fabulous Freebirds as the dog was blinded and Buck and he teamed up after the dog came out of his blindness and defeated the Freebirds. Billy Starr getting his foot on the ropes, which breaks the count. You know, the junkyard dog, the man they have to scheme to get rid of. Bob Roop said it aptly. No one man can beat him fair and square. And I'm sure that pressure had Ted DiBiase. And Ted DiBiase made a decision. And the decision he'll have to live with for the rest of his life. That he double-crossed his friend. I don't want to prejudge Ted until we've had a chance to look at the films. But you can only look at the evidence that Bob Roop caught him adjusting something in that glove. And the junkyard dog, it was unconscious for almost four minutes, three minutes anyway. Took four referees, Grizzly Smith, the ice to bring him around. And I've seen junkyard dog tapped with a lot of things that have never been put down like that. So it lends some credence to Bob Roop's challenge or charge that DiBiase had something that he put in that glove. And, of course, the dog walked out like a lamb to the slaughter, never dreaming that DiBiase would try something like that. He walked out totally unarmed, jaw exposed, protecting his legs in a wrestling maneuver, and instead got tapped on the jaw and knocked unconscious. And Ted DiBiase won the North American title. We've seen that North American title do strange things to a lot of people. Look what it did to Paul Orndorff. It controlled his life, became a passion that destroyed him. I certainly hope Ted DiBiase... Sleeper hole, Buck Robley! Buck Roby, a master of many holes. Billy Starr feeling the Colonel's. Look at the Colonel laugh. And there it is, the sleeper hole that ends the match. Buck Roby defeating Billy, the Star Child Star. But Watts, I love when they bring up Mid-South history, and they've done it a few times now with Buck Roby on this episode. Him teaming with Watts against the French Angel, of course, that's Frank Morell, and Rock Hunter and the Assassin, uh, Rock Hunter being the manager. I think they even main evented a Superdome. Uh, that team. I got to go back and check. And then, of course, Buck Roby being a partner with the Junkyard Dog when everything went down with the Freebirds years earlier. I love that Mid-South Wrestling does not ignore its history. Yeah, they tell the history, and it's good that Watts does that. Um, I, I really like it. Watts was really right on the money here, just not only on the, the talk of the history, but, you know, he talks about what DiBiase did to dog, you know, loaded the glove, which knocked JYD out cold. And, you know, Watts says that North American title, it can change men and make you do strange things. And that's kind of what I was saying a second ago. It's like, you know, that title means back then we thought it meant money. It meant prestige. And when DiBiase's back was against the wall, it made him do something really, really strange. And that was turn his back on his best friend, you know, the best man in his wedding, Junkyard Dog. I thought Watts kind of tied that into everything we've seen earlier in this episode. Really rolled right here. I have to say, though, Buck Robley is a wrestler I never got into. I don't know if it was just the look. Because, you know, back then, I mean, nowadays, guys wrestle in street clothes or whatever. But he's wearing just the black tights and his T-shirt. And he just doesn't have any muscle tone. I never really liked Buck Robley. Uh, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, he was kind of the, the period they talk about him, you know, with Mid-South uh, and try, like it, it was a little bit before my time. So I, by the time he comes in, like around here, it, I, it just didn't do anything for me. I was at this point so used to the charismatic versions of like guys like JYD or the mass men like the grappler, you know, big guys like the gang and Ernie Ladd. 
I was so used to seeing them. It just, you know, and DiBiase and everything he could do. I, I just didn't get into to Robles. I mean, in to to be honest, I didn't really get into Roop so much. It's but Roop's kind of being a heel and what he says on commentary is really the only reason I kind of got into him. But other than that, I always thought he kind of looked bland too in his in his singlet. So I just nothing against Robley. It just he, I just never got into him, especially when he comes in around this time um, with his with his yellow shirt and don't call me yellow uh, type thing. Yeah, it wasn't my thing, man. From there, Mike, we move on to the final match on this week's show. It is scheduled to be the Grappler and the One Man Gang versus Ernie Ladd and another returning wrestler, Tom Jones. He hadn't been there in a while. But before this match gets the chance to take place, the assassin who's in the corner of the Grappler, the One Man Gang, and Skandar Akbar gets on the mic. He has a few words. Let's listen to this as we end this week's episode of Mid-South Wrestling. It's tag team action now for one fall or remaining television time. In the red corner, at 246 pounds from parts unknown, the grappler. And his partner at 454 pounds, the one-man gang. And coming to the ring now are their opponents, but it seems that the assassin has something to say. I got a couple of things I want to say. You know, last week... The one-man gang and I were scheduled to wrestle Hutspeth and Torres. Yet Big Mouth Ernie Ladd and the Junkyard Dog tried to jump us from behind. Well, we didn't stay around to have any part of that, but I'm going to tell you something. Ladd, let's finish it once and for all. Let's finish it right here, right now, once and for all. Why don't you two guys go get yourselves a partner? Go get yourselves a partner. Yeah, go get the Junkyard Dog. Oh, yeah, I'm sure he's got a nice headache from that. He's really got a headache right now. Or go get Ted DiBiase. Yeah, he's somebody that can really be trusted now, isn't he? Go get yourselves a partner, and let's finish this thing once and for all. Come on, go get yourselves a partner. I'd like to see the bum that you get. Well, let's see what happens here now. Oh, boy, Pierce, you you notice that the assassin, the assassin says, get yourself a partner, and let's finish it off. He doesn't say, let's finish it off one-on-one, does he? That's right. Seems to want a lot of help around him in case it gets too hot in the kitchen. Ernie Ladd certainly couldn't get the junkyard dog right now, and I don't think he'd want to have Ted DiBiase. It'll be interesting to see if he can get somebody, maybe Mike Sharp, who's been his partner before. There he's bringing the colonel, Buck Robley. Big Ernie Ladd and Tom Jones. Rick Pereira calls for the bell. And, of course, the assassin knows he better get a hold of Buck Robley. We only got a minute of airtime. This is going to be a war. Boyd Pierce, I don't think we're going to have a match. It's just going to be mayhem. Colonel Buck Robley, the man who's never liked the assassin. Ernie Ladd in there against the grappler. Tom Jones in there with a one-man gang. All six of them in the ring. I don't know if they're going to finish it one-on-one. It looks like it's just going to be a wild and woolly war. We're running out of air time. We will investigate. We will try to have the answers to what happened between Ted DiBiase and the Junkyard Dog by airtime next week. A great card lined up. Grizzly Smith, matchmakers, outdone himself again, Boyd Pierce. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Bill Watson. Don't forget, Preston, next week. Ernie Ladd after the one-man gang. Mr. Olympia against the grappler, Ernie Ladd against Killer Khan, Junkyard Dog against Bob Root. Our time is just about gone. Thank you, Bill Watts, for our special guest commentator. Thank you, fans, for watching. Till next week, Boyd Pearson. Goodbye, everybody. Mid-South Wrestling Television Network. Mike, it's a perfect episode of Mid-South Wrestling. Starts off with everything laying out the big angle. You have the big angle and the big match. During the other matches, everything's talked about and explained and further cemented into your head. And it goes off the air with. Six main eventers, at least main eventers in Mid-South Wrestling, brawling until the show ends. This is a fantastic episode. It was great. And we got a little comedy from Reeser at the end, too, right there. Because Reeser <laughs> had no idea what the hell was going on. And that one-man gang and grappler versus Ernie Led, um and Tom Jones was not going to happen. And it was going to become a six, uh, six-man tag match that ends up ending in chaos. And the reason I say Reeser had no clue, once again, is because when... 
he kind of shrugs his shoulders. <laughs> he had no idea what was going on because he he's he's talking while Watts is talking, and even Ricky Ferraro, who's the referee, looks at Reeser to say, "What's up?" And Reeser just shrugs his shoulders, like, "I don't freaking know what the hell you want me to say." Um, really good stuff though. They go off air. These guys are all brawling and fighting. Definitely enjoyable. Uh, start to finish, just a very very packed episode. I mean, we did have the stuff from the WWF in there, but. Just a packed episode of Mid-South Wrestling right here. As we wrap things up, and can't wait for next week's show, I gotta say, I'm really looking forward to sitting down and watching more Mid-South Wrestling now. But as we wrap things up, want to remind you, you can hear me on the 605 Super Podcast at 605pod.com or available wherever it is that you find your favorite podcasts, classic wrestling talk, and wrestling humor. The 605 Super Podcast, The Mothership, as it is sometimes called, you can also follow me on Twitter at GreatBrianLast. You can follow the Super Podcast on Twitter at 605Pod. And you can follow the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network on Twitter at SuperPodcasts. Mike, how can the listeners stay in touch with you and booking the territory? Please come check us out twice a week. We talk NWA Saturday night on TBS along with Smoky Mountain Wrestling. You can find the show. Just go to tinyurl.com slash bttpod or search Booking the Territory wherever you get your podcast from. It's a fun time with myself, Hardbody Hopper, and Doc Turner. We are known as the Unprofessional Wrestling Podcast as we have a great time talking about the old Saturday night shows and Smoky Mountain Wrestling. It's really a good time. Follow me on Twitter as well. Well, at Mike504Saints, I'd appreciate it. And I just want to say one other thing. A couple of weeks ago, Brian, we mentioned the five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. I have noticed in the last few weeks, I think we got about 10 or 11, maybe even 12 more five-star reviews. So uh, Brian and I definitely appreciate that. And please keep those five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts coming. It really does help the show and all those algorithms and whatnot on Apple. So thank you very much. And uh, that's about it, Brian. This was tremendous one of the most or if not the most action-packed hours of mid-south television we have done to date what would you say i completely agree with that and i also want to concur with you and thank all the listeners who have been leaving the five-star reviews on itunes we really do appreciate it and uh, it definitely encourages us to keep going with more mid-south wrestling television review and on that topic the mid-south wrestling television review is a production of the arcadian vanguard podcast network For Mike Mills, I'm the great Brian Last. Tally-ho! 